Hey, Chicago, what do you say? It's the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by PointsBet. Use the promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to 2000 bucks. Luke Stuckmark, Cody Del Mendo, and Ryan Herrera as we officially, unofficially start the Cubs offseason with a big Jed Hoyer press conference to start our work week. Uh, we've been waiting on this to see what he would say about the offseason and the season that we just had. Uh, we're going to break it all down. We'll, ha- we'll hear some of what uh, Jed Hoyer had to say over at Wrigley Field today, and uh, we'll get into that. We'll we'll break it all down, and we also want to talk about, guys, what happened this weekend very briefly, which was the Cardinals are out and the Mets are out. Two teams tied closely to the Cubs because the Cardinals, well, kaboom, and Cody Cody's having his Christmas early. Oh, and, man. and the Mets, oh, I man. guess you should have traded for Contreras and Hap. That's all I got to say about that. Uh, let me just tell you about how just chef's kiss Saturday night was, guys. I mean, I went and watched a barn burner of Illinois and Iowa where the score finished 6-9 to nine with Illinois winning 9-6, to six, but I wanted to say it like I did because that's nice. Uh, I watched that, and then I went back to my buddy's place, and we watched the last few innings of the Cardinals – uh, in the Phillies, and I, it was it was glorious, guys. It was absolutely glorious. The only way that it would have been better is if Yachty would have made this the final out again because he made the final out on in game one. It just would have been so 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 perfect if that were the way it happened. But it wasn't, and that's okay though because they still lost. Uh, just mm, I mm, Cardinal fans are so mad at me on the internet Saturday and Sunday. It, I I I could go on and on. I could go on and on. It was just, just honestly, might have been the highlight of the entire 2022 season for me, man. Yeah. What, but well, when, when are Cardinals out. fans not mad at you on the internet? They, they always. Uh, that's are. fair. That's fair. Exactly. I don't care though. <laughs> I was surprised by Michael Wilbon tweeting that he was rooting for the Cardinals and all their greatness, even though he's a oh. Cubs fan. And I, I won't give it too much time because I think he was just trolling for activity on the Twitter. Luke was doing it, even if it was just trolling for comments on his account. Yeah, Luke, my back cutting out a little bit there, but yeah, Yeah. yeah, you're back. You're back. Uh, yeah, no, Michael Michael Wilbon's tweet was the dumbest tweet I saw Saturday night, but it was so dumb that I didn't even give it, I didn't even give it the you know, the attention that he was seeking on it. I that's all I'll say about that. Not even worth it. Save it to Sunday, could have saved it for Sunday, but no. He 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 did that for attention. That's what I'm convinced. There you go. Uh, yeah, lo- love Michael Wilbon, but that was um, at, him being a Cubs fan was like the, the last thing he should have said. To like, yeah, I don't know. Like Cubs fans were not happy about it. I will Maybe. say, uh, I was gonna say, I will say, just overall, the playoffs were. I mean, it's kind of funny how like in you know regular season we want all these things like the 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 ghost runner, zombie runner, whatever you want to call it, just ways to help speed up the pace of baseball. But then when it gets to the postseason, it's like the things that slow the game down are so like important to the game and f- make it feel more intense. Like every pitch, yeah. like that Guardians Rays game, or yeah, Guardians Rays game on fifteen innings, every single pitch mattered. And it's like no one, I I couldn't care less that it went fifteen innings because it just felt like every single pitch mattered and every pitch. You know, I, I forgot who hit the walk. Was it a uh, Gonzalez? I think it was. They hit the walk off home run. Um, but it, yeah, it was just every pitch matter, and that's like why baseball is so good, and that's why I'm glad. Like, speed up the regular season 100. Like, we don't need 
uh, an August an August third game to be four hours. Like make it go faster. But when it gets to the playoffs and you just let these guys play baseball, I think that's like that is exactly what baseball is, and that's why you know we love this game so much. Yeah, I mean, I didn't see any of the Rays and Guardians. I was following it, uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone's going to complain about a fifteen inning playoff game where there's zero runs until the very last inning because the stakes are so much higher. People care so much more, whether you're a Guardians or a Rays fan anyway, in that instance, right? Like, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. And that's why I'm glad that like the, the, the ghost runner or zombie runner, whatever you want to call it is, is gone uh, come playoff time. I think that's the rule that it is. In, right. That's yeah. points, right. Like they didn't use it. So no. in the regular season, like, yeah, I have my indifferences about it, but as long as it's not there in the postseason, like I, I'm happy about it. So, it's, um, yeah, it's there's, exact, there's a lot of good games. It's exactly like playoff hockey in the NHL. Okay. I don't mind. In fact, I love four overtimes in playoff hockey in the game. You're waiting to see if a player drops on the ice or whatever, mm-hmm. but you don't want that for an entire winter. You don't want to have middle of the week games going on for six hours. Like it's fine. Do what you need to speed it up during the regular season. Playoff games are exciting because it's elimination time. And we're willing to live with a longer game at that point. Totally get it. Yeah. Um, How about the Blue Jays? They they blew an eight to one lead. They just didn't uh, feel that, like they had it. Right. It just didn't yeah. feel like they had it this year. Pretty much the whole season, I expected them them to be better than they were. But the yeah. National League, I feel like, is exactly where most of us thought it would be. Don't well, you? Agree? Yeah. I, I, I Dodgers. I thought that the Mets would figure it out. And at least get past the Padres, but man, like outside of the game to Grom pitch, man, it was just bad. Like they had one hit yeah, yeah. in the closeout game last night, and then like the way their Buck Showalter tried to, you know, get Joe Musgrove for for cheating, I guess, like just because the internet blew up about it. That's the, <laughs> that's what I'm convinced at least. Like it was just another clown show from from the New York Metropolitans. Uh, you hate to see it. You you, gen, you genuinely do. And and again, yeah. The Mets are a good example of teams that don't want to go go all in. Like, and that's why I will always, you know, appreciate Theo for the good and the bad because he always at least tried. When the Cubs were like right there, ready to win, when they were one or two pieces away, we can yell about the Quintana trade all we want, but he he went he won all in. Maybe you can I guess we can complain that it wasn't Justin Verlander, but even at that time, no one thought that Justin Verlander was going to turn into a god like he did yeah. when he went to be a Cy Young. It was going to be a right, Cy right. Young winner Especially as he's, he's thirty nine years old. Right? Yeah. Like he <laughs> like no one no one envisioned that, especially the way his last few years in Detroit went. So. uh I think you can look at the Mets as a great example uh, that should make Cubs fans feel at least a little bit better about some of the trades that haven't gone their way because like that's just that's just baseball. That's like like you win 101 games, it's still a successful season for them. But like to not to not get to the division round, like it's also a very big disappointment. And who knows? Maybe if they did trade for Contreras or Hap or both, like maybe things go differently. Their offense was just so bad. And then they rely, like they called Alvarez up in the late, like in September and put him on the playoff roster. Like you expect that guy to do anything in the playoffs with you when he's not even been on your team for a month. Like it was, it was, it was actually just very hilarious to watch. And they're getting dunked on the internet today, rightfully so. And the, the Mets and, and you go back to the Rangers in the regular season, they're also, as we kind of transition into this offseason with the Cubs, it's like they're cautious tales telling you not to spend your money 
incorrectly, you have to make the right moves, right? And I know that's something that uh, Jed Hoyer kind of, he's using it to cover his bases if he's not able to spend the money the way he wants to get it or or isn't able to get the guys maybe he wants this offseason. But the fact is true. Just getting Lindor doesn't solve your problems. Just getting uh, Seager doesn't solve your problems. Like you can throw money at the problem, but if you don't throw that money at the right players at the right time, it doesn't do you any good. It can only send you in the wrong direction. Now that said, you also can't be afraid to go do it. Like eventually you have to go do it. And I think if the Cubs aren't at least – Three quarters of the way there this offseason, they're they're pretty close. I think they're past the halfway point at, at this stretch. So one of the questions to Jed Hoyer that I thought was the most interesting in this was when he was asked, uh, I think it was Bruce Levine, asking about the comparison, do you feel something like, I, the gist of it was, do you feel like you did in 2014 when you went to, to the offseason and Lester was sitting there and you were like, I need that big power move. Um, and if Stephen can hear us, uh, our producer, Stephen pulled up some of those bites. I think we have Jed's reaction um, and, and we'll react to it afterwards. There was a lot of talk about that in the second half. Like where, where is this compared to 2014? And, you know, I, I will, I will say that I think you know, it's hard to compare those two things because, you know, when you look back to where our, our best prospects were um, in 2014, a lot of those guys were in the in the major leagues at the end of that previous season, and then you know a lot of those guys were had either you know dominated in Double A or already in Triple A. So um, I do feel like um, at that point we were further along uh, in terms of when those those hitters were gonna were gonna be in the in the big league. So I don't think it's entirely fair to compare this to that. Um, that said, I think from on, on, from a pitching standpoint, uh, I think we we are. Um, further along now than, than we were at that time. So I, I don't think it's fair to compare that. Um, I will say that, you know, when we went out into the free agent market in, uh, in prior to 2015, it was really only um, for one significant player, which was John Lester, a guy that we knew, that we, we knew his makeup. We, we knew uh, the toughness and the competitiveness um, and the maturity that he would bring. Um, other than that, we made, um, small trades, you know, or, um, you know, for, you know, Miguel Montero, we made a trade for Dex. No, those are really the, the, the key transactions, uh, prior to 15. There's only, what's that? Oh, <laughs> that was a package deal. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, I think our, our focus was, you know, um, the lesser, deal got headlines and, and we did that in large part because we we knew him so well but i think that you know the the montero and the and the fowler trades had a massive impact and those were things that, that weren't really talked about much at the time so i do think he's right about that right like yeah i get it the the, the, the smaller trades obviously had an impact but at the same time they added john lester <laughs> You know, so the pitching may be further along. And this goes back to some of the stuff we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. And I'm starting to lean towards the fact that if if the star pitcher price is too much or if it's not the right guy, don't go for it. You can add somewhere else. But I still think 
I still think they do need to add star power this offseason. And if that's a position player instead of the frontline starter this offseason because it just doesn't line up, that's okay. But I don't think it's okay if they don't add star power to this team in the offseason. You can't just go make a couple of small trades and hope all the prospects turn out to, and come up early. Would you agree with that? Like, No. Somebody big has to be added to the roster. Yeah, and that's what you saw again when when they signed Lester, and obviously like that became the thing as the Cubs weren't developing pitching. Lester was just like the first in a large line of pitchers they went out and got. Um, and it's kind of the opposite now, where it's like, and he, I mean, he compared like the when you look back at 2014 and the end of that season, like Javi Javi Baez had just come up. Uh, you know, Rizzo was already there. Chris Bryant was on his way. Kyle Schwarber was on his way. Wilson. Uh, you know, the next year blew up, so he was eventually going to be on his way. But they had the top, the top of their of their you know prospect lists, and, and even a lot of the top prospects in baseball were Cubs, you know, position players. It's the opposite now, whereas they have a lot more uh, pitching that's that's starting to develop and starting to to work its way up to the big leagues. I know they have Pete Crow Armstrong, they have Brennan Davis. But it seems like it's where, as far as what they have in the system and what they're developing the best right now is pitching, and it's coming up sooner rather than later. So it, it would seem like it's the opposite. It's true this time around, where they, they might they, they they probably will have to go add you know more bats. They might you know I think they're still gonna look to add a, a top end starting pitcher this year or uh, yeah this offseason maybe even I know a second more middle of the rotation back end of the rotation whatever. But where they're I think where where they're going to focus on is plugging in those spots in the position the the position player group because um, you know they have Brendan Davis might come up or probably will be up next year. Um, don't know if it's at the beginning of the year or not. Same thing with uh, Matt Mervis, but like Picar Armstrong's probably another year away or so, and a lot of those other position players are probably another year away. But like it's going to be a lot of additions through through free agency or trades or whatever to that position player group because they have, it seems like they have a lot more depth in the pitching department right now. So yeah, I think he kind of said it's, it's not completely fair to compare both to compare, to compare 2014 to now and vice versa, um, which I kind of agree with just because the, the things have flipped a little bit. It's just, whereas they had a lot of top end talent coming on one side and they had to add their free agency the other way. It's, you know, they're, 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 they're bringing pitching up. And they're bringing it up now, and they got to go and add some bats. I think that's when you look at it and, and you compare the two seasons. Like that's probably the the main difference is is just where the depth is coming from. Yeah, I, and I I completely agree with you, Ryan. And you know, I see Michael Collada already in the comments, and he says that they're already making he's already making excuses for Ricketts not to spend. And like, I just want to say that. No matter what Jed was going to say in this press conference, he wasn't going to reveal like, oh, we're going to go after this guy or this guy. Like yeah. you you knew that coming into this press conference, he was going to be bland. Like there, there was nothing that was going to move the needle for anyone. Like absolutely nothing. That's like that's just what the way the way it is. So the way that he says that in terms of, uh, you know, we need to continue to develop and this and that. Some people might take it as, oh, we need another year here to, uh, you know develop our own system or whatever. And while that's also true, you're also the Chicago Cubs and you should also go spend some money, especially, especially when you had the lowest uh, attendance since night or yeah, 1997, mm -hmm. I believe that's I what it, it is. 
Appreciate when you have the lowest right. attendance since That's 1997, right. I, I think that ownership probably sees that and is like, yikes. Uh, no one's not going to want to believe that. Michael Collada is going to sit here and he's going to think that's exactly what the Ricketts want when that, but I just don't believe that I'm never going to believe that. So you can, again, fan, however you want to fan, think whatever you want to think, but it's definitely an off season where the Cubs need to make moves. And to that point of what he was saying, yeah, those moves for Dexter Fowler and Miguel Montero proved to be huge for the Cubs, especially in 15 Montero was a huge leader on that team that helped propel them to you know, going to the NLCS and Dexter Fowler was their leadoff hitter for two years. And again, like when those moves made, like were ha- happened, Jed was right. Like those weren't like the big headline moves. Everyone's talking about Lester. So I think the big point or the big takeaway I take from that comment is that like, yeah, like the big, the big names there, we might like, we, sh- we should be in on those and we, we, <laughs> we will be like going after them, but also like, pay attention to what else we're doing as well. And I think you can even say that about this past offseason. I mean, like, no one thought Jan Gomes was going to be as good as he was for the Cubs this year. And and then, like, the, the slew of relievers that they brought in that they were able to, to get for pieces. Like, I know this past season didn't go the way that they wanted, and it didn't, like, you know, they didn't make the playoffs and all this stuff, and we sold, and then, like, we shouldn't be in this position. But, like, those moves, loom, like, paid off for the Cubs in terms of where we're at now. And so, hopefully – Cross your fingers, knock on wood, whatever. Like, hopefully what's coming, what's coming this offseason will be uh, something we look back at and, and and we sit and think about how, you know, how much we love Dexter Fowler and, and Miguel Montero. Whoever those next guys are, hopefully we're sitting in three, four years and we're like, man, remember when that happened? Like, that really helped the Cubs, you know, ascend to the next part of whatever this is, whether, whether we're in this rebuild or – whether we're in the playoffs, we were in the playoffs next year. We're going to be talking about whatever big move it is that ha- that helped propel it. But also, we, if we're talking about other guys that they made that that we're not really completely excited about off first glance, then that means that it was a successful offseason. Yeah. I think we need a segment called the Colada uh, conspiracy <laughs> theories, and <laughs> and here's here's two that would fit in there in, into Michael's anti. Ricketts, like if you if you read too much into these press conferences, you would you would point to these two topics. One was I thought he he talked about the prospects a lot and not wanting to deplete the the farm system. Like if you're going to win, you have to do it like the Dodgers. Sure, they have Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts, but it's all the homegrown guys. And I don't disagree with what he's saying, but you do have Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts. So like it's not like Everybody was from your system, right? Um, and, and then when he was Michael, asked, "Do you need to add a, a starting pitcher, top of the rotation guy?" and his response was, "A quality innings pitcher is what we need." Like he wouldn't go as far as to say ace. I would just say to Michael, "Now, while I hear those two things, and they do in my head say, oh, I don't, I don't like the sound of that.' It's back to what Cody said. You have to remember." This was going to be vanilla ice cream. No matter what, whatever you were expecting him to say, don't read too much into either of those comments because this is a game of poker with a bowl of vanilla ice cream. You're not going to get the answers you want to hear in this. Sure, we're here trying to dissect it and see if we can pull just a little tiny bit out of there to see exactly what Jed Hoyer's thinking. The reality is it was vanilla ice cream and it was always going to be vanilla ice cream. So don't freak out over this press conference. 
Right. Yeah. One, yeah. one of the things I want to I want to tie in is if Stephen can pull this screen grab up. Um, it's kind of so about a month ago, a few of us talked to to Tom Ricketts at Wrigley, um, and he kind of said the ball is in Jed Hoyer's court as far as mm-hmm. how they're you know going to attack this offseason, right? Um, and so Jed was asked about those comments today. Um, and here's the thing: I won't, I, I don't have to read the entire quote, but basically paraphrasing, um, he said that he, he, it's nice to feel like he has the autonomy to do his job, right? Like to do the, to make the decisions that he feels are best for this, to make this team a winning ball club now, next year, and in, and in future years. Um, and, and basically he said, you know, they're going to do the research. They're going to to take the time. They're going to do their homework on the players. They're going to really think and, and, and discuss what these players are doing or, or who these players are and what they could bring to this ball club and whether it's, you know, the right fit, the right time, all that, you know, all that stuff. Um, but one of the things he said is like, you know, I know if I present Tom with a plan to do something like that, I know I have a support. Um, and and that you can read that as, as again, maybe Ricketts, Ricketts and Jed just kind of blowing smoke, saying, you know, saying things people want to hear, all that, you know, blah, 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 all that stuff. Um, but I, I do think when you look at Jed, I do think Jed wants, I mean, it, it's sincere. Jed wants to build a winning ball club just, you know, because that's his job, right? Like if he doesn't build a winning ball club, he's not going to last as the president of baseball operations. Um, whether that means going out, Oh, we lost Luke. Whether that means going out and signing, you know, the biggest free agent possible or making a huge trade for Shohei Otani is anyone guess, but I, I do think he's sincere in wanting to go out and make the right moves at the right time. But if that's this off season, if, if someone like, you know, Carlos Correa example is on the table this off season and they want him and, and he wants to be a cub, and they see that as the right fit. Uh, that's Jed. I think I would I would believe Jed would want to make that move for the you know the right price. I, he doesn't want to give out ten year, <laughs> ten year contracts. I don't think anyone does it these days. But um, if that's something that he that he wants to do, saying that he knows he has Tom support, um, and he'll you know Tom will open the checkbook and, and and sign on the dotted line if that's what needs to happen. If Jed presents him the right thing, I think when you look at this offseason like that is genuine. Uh, whether it plays out that way is anyone's guess because you have to see what the market does and you know Steve Cohen can open up his, his checkbook too and and get and just outbid the Cubs on whoever they want right um, but I, I you know again people will, will think it's just blowing smoke but I do I do see it as genuinely he wants to go out and make the moves that make sense for this team going forward they're not just going to throw money at like three huge free agents that don't fit very well when those guys do present themselves i i know I, I do believe jed genuinely wants to be in that you know in that discussion yeah. i do appreciate that they're asking asking the question he says that ricketts will ask the tough questions when he brings a plan to him when when he and carter will say something he'll be like we know that tom will ask the tough questions but we're also no, quote no doubt the resources will be there um like you said, Ryan, that could just be blowing smoke up his boss's butt, but I don't, I don't really think it is. I, I think you know, maybe the Cubs aren't going to spend like Cohen, and people be mad about that. Uh, but it hasn't worked out for the Mets, so I, I, I think there's that happy balance, like everybody says. Do I want them to spend big, like one of the top five teams in baseball? Yes, but just as importantly, I don't want them to mortgage the whole future of the franchise that's down in the farm system to add a huge player. So if that means spending a little bit more in free agency, 
so that you don't have to trade away all of the guys you just accumulated. I am on, I'm on board with that plan unless that guy is Shohei Otani, and then I might be willing to go a little bit the other way. But am I am right. I am I more inclined to say, man, I'd rather risk the money. Uh, I'd rather spend a huge amount of money on Aaron Judge or Carlos, wh- whoever the player position player is. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'd rather not give up some of the chips that I have to get him. I'd rather just spend Ricketts' money. That's that's the plan you would rather have. And then you want him to spend Ricketts' money on the right guys, so that if you need to add another guy, you're not you're not handcuffed and you can't go yeah. do it. So that's that's the game plan. But I think it's the game plan for most teams, or at least yeah. big market teams. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, you get you guys have made a lot of good points. And like Luke, when you said that you know spending the right money and like the Mets are the great example like yeah Steve Cohen can he could do it again this offseason and hand out a 50 million dollar AAV check to Aaron Judge he he, I would not be surprised if he actually did but that team was good enough to be in an else at least an LCS team this year and they didn't do it they couldn't even beat the Padres and I know the Padres spend money too but like I'm just saying like you have to build a culture and you have to put the right players around the right guys. I think the Cubs have, are building the right culture right now, but yeah, they definitely need more star power. And I definitely think they need to spend more. And I've, you know, Michael says that I'm not holding, I'm not holding them accountable in the comments. I've been holding them accountable all season, all season. I've been holding them accountable because I was infuriated in June and, and before the all-star break. Whenever the Cubs lost nineteen to five to the Padres, and we're getting we embarrassed every single this. day, we don't deserve this this shit team and the, and the, like all of the bad. Absolutely, like yes. Right now, I'm optimistic. You know why? It's because the Cubs end the season well. They look like they're building a culture, and I like the manager that we have. And the farm system is a top ten in baseball. That's not me just saying it. Literally, MLB Pipeline has it, and even Fangraphs has them higher. They they look like they're building something. Right now, yes. I'm optimistic. Also, I am a little like weary. Like they haven't spent significant money in it. Like since honestly, since uh, you know, I guess the U Darvish going into the before 2018 season, right? You can mm-hmm. you can say Kimbrel, but also the only reason they did that was because of uh, you know Ben Zobris uh, and his wife and that whole fiasco. And you can say that they spent last offseason, but clearly they didn't spend enough or else this team would have been better. Maybe injuries were a big part of that, but you also didn't have the depth. And even even Jed said that in the, in the presser today, that they didn't have enough enough depth. Now it looks like they've built some depth, especially on the pitching side. So, yeah, you got to go spend the money and or make trade or whatever to get some position players in here and see what you got next year. I think there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic to be optim- optimistic but also yeah don't just go like don't just think like oh they're gonna do this and i'm I'm not even worried about it. i i totally get michael's like perspective for sure but i i just think that this is the first time in like three or four years or three or four off seasons it feels like where the cubs are building some momentum and they're building some sort of optimism for the fan base to get excited about what next year could be so Think however you want to think, but that that's my perspective because things were awful in June, and I know the schedule got easier in the second half, but I think we learned a lot about a bunch of guys, and I feel like we can be excited about a handful of them going into next year. So I, I think, again, I think there's a lot to be excited about, and yeah, it's now it's time for you. The ball is in Jed's court. 
you know, maybe you can argue that Jed didn't spend enough last offseason and it's not even Ricketts' fault. Maybe it was Jed's fault. Maybe Jed knows that he should have spent more last offseason and he just didn't do it. So I think there's a lot of theories that you could look at and put blame where where is due. But we all knew going in this season that, you know, 80 wins was like the top, except for me. I try to speak in existence. But like everyone knew that like there weren't a lot of high expectations. You know, after what happened this in the second half and after watching some of these other teams, like like I think the Cubs know that like they got to put something out there, especially especially with what I already said about how fan attendance was as, was the lowest since 1997. So. All right, we we will get to the uh, oh Luke, yeah Luke, Luke, you your your internet shitting out on us is the yeah. worst thing to happen. He's still going. <laughs> Guys, maybe we hit an ad break here while he uh he yeah. sorts through yeah. that. Cody, why don't you tell us about your bets, my friend? All right, this weekend I had a, it wasn't nearly as good as last weekend, but I had a great time gambling on uh, college football and the NFL. I also, you know, you want to talk about you want to talk about uh, baseball bets. I don't do a lot of baseball betting, especially when the football season starts. But I did take Lars Newtbar to have the most hits in that series against the Phillies, and it actually hit. You know why? Because he's a creative player, and they sprinkled holy water on him before he came to St. Louis, and that's the only reason he's a good player. Uh, anyway, that was a cool bet. And I made it all on points bet. This football season, points bet is bringing you a better way to bet live on games, which means before this ad is over, you can place a live same-game parlay, bet the next drive to be a touchdown, and cash out on your live second half over bet. With points bet, you have access to more live football markets than ever before. Build the perfect live same-game parlay by combining your favorite bets anytime during the game, including spreads, totals, player props, and more. Choose the outcome of the next drive and next points with points bet lightning bets. So whether you are on the move or on the couch, do it live on points bet. Download the points bet app today and sign up with code CHGO to get your first two bets risk-free up to $2,000. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral service. Services. And that said, I'm taking the Raiders plus seven tonight and the under. Oh, wow. If anyone cares. Oh, good luck. Big time. Uh, guys, you know, I started that. taking AG1 because I didn't have time, wanted better gut health, more energy, and optimized immune system. Now I've been on it for months and I love it. It doesn't taste super healthy, but it is. So I take it in the morning. So what is it? One scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, adaptogens to start your day right. A special blend of ingredients. That supports your gut health, nervous system, immune system, energy, recovery, focus, aging, all those things. I get that boost of energy in the morning. So that's when I take it on an empty stomach. And it's lifestyle friendly too, whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, gluten-free, dairy-free. You're all good with AG1 and all-in-one nutritional insurance for less than three bucks a day. Recommended by professional athletes. 7,000 five-star reviews. Right now, reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. Just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash CHGO Cubs. Again, athleticgreens.com slash CHGO Cubs. Take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. 
Steven I need to take some athletic greens today. Yeah, I, I feel like I got to start my week right. I didn't take it this morning, and I'm a little <laughs> sluggish, if you will, and so is my internet, as you can tell. Um, <laughs> Stephen, if you're there, let's uh, let's go with the opening statement from one Jed Hoyer and just what uh, how he opened the press conference. First half of this season obviously was not up to our standards. You know, we made a lot of trades um, in 2021. Uh, we had a lot of holes to fill. Uh, we were inexperienced. We lacked depth, uh, and we played poorly. Um, there's no way. There's no way around that. Uh, it was frustrating for all of us. Um, I was incredibly um, impressed, excited um, by the way we played in the second half. Uh, I thought we created some real momentum. Uh, some of those inexperienced players started to gain experience. Some of the depth that we've been uh, working to create for for several years uh, started to, uh, to to bear fruit. And um, there's a real sense of momentum in this building right now um, because of the way we played in the second half. You know, we're, we're eight games over. Uh, we pitched exceptionally well. And, um, you know, I really give a lot of credit to the players. Uh, they never stop competing. Um, and, you know, I, I do give. Um, even, you know, those last six games against Cincinnati, every game in the clubhouse they were looking to prepare to, to, to win a game to compete every night and um, that's incredibly impressive and I also give a ton of credit to the coaching staff you know led by David Ross um, preparing those guys every single day continuing to, to focus on on the right things because I think what we saw at the end that momentum um, I think has a chance to to really um, really continue to to to, to lead into the off season and to create a lot of confidence in a, in a very young group. So I couldn't be more excited about the way we finished. Uh, it's a far cry from, from the way we started. Um, and ultimately, you know, we have to build on, on that momentum. You know, that's going to be the focus of this off season. Um, you know, we absolutely want to compete next year. Um, we also want to build something really special uh, for the fans. We want to build something stable, something lasting, and that's the lens that we're going to view our transactions this winter. Um, we want to make sure that uh, what we build uh, creates what we talked about before, which is uh, year after year after year uh, being in the playoffs and uh, you know giving these fans what they deserve, which is which is October baseball. Uh, I see Michael saying season was up to their standards! Exclamation point. No, I I agree with what he's saying. I think all Cubs fans, even Michael, enjoyed the second half of the season more than the first. Like you, you, you like to see pro individual progress. You like to see guys still playing hard when you realize the season's over and the franchise is looking to the future and trading away four guys out of the bullpen that guys didn't just mail it in. They were competing for positions. And even when they had probably earned some positions or a spot in the organization, they still went out and competed hard to the, the last game. Now the trick is, and I do want to point out that he did address this later in the press conference, but the trick is not overvaluing that. Like yeah. as you, as you approach the off season and he said it just as much, you don't want to overvalue guys playing loose at the end when they had nothing to play for other than themselves and their teammates and their contracts. Like I get that. So would you agree? Like there's, there's gotta be a balance between that. Cause I don't know if there's something I don't. I don't know if momentum from one season carries over to the next. Mike Quaddy had a great record filling in for Lou Pinella, yeah. and the Cubs were great. And the next season they were complete garbage, and everybody blamed 
Mike Quaddy. And I was like, well, I don't know if that's the case. It's just you have a long period of time in between there, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if momentum is really a thing in baseball, but for the Cubs' sake, I sort of hope it is. Yeah. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I believe it's something. But, yeah, what you said or what Judd said, too, like, you can't overvalue it. You still have to stay the course in terms of uh, evaluating players. I think uh, you can't overvalue Hayden Wisniewski, for example. I think, right? I, as much as I want to automatically put him in the rotation, you still have a very small sample size on him. That's why you got to go out and get yourself a, you know, not only a top end rotation starter, but even a mid guy. Uh, you know, maybe Sean Manaya. I don't know, uh, but you know, like that's just one example, but. Yeah. I'm I'm just glad that you know he said I'm glad he said that and then I'm also glad that he also said that he didn't overvalue it and it was again, yeah it was just nice to have yeah. some sort of optimism from him yeah I mean he even yeah he he mentioned how the first half they played up a lot harder of a schedule and then the second half was you know they were it was an easier portion of their schedule they did have good moments against obviously you know six and zero against the Phillies swept the Mets in New York. Like he acknowledged the good moments, but also acknowledged that, you know, there was, they were well out of the playoffs at that point and guys could play free and easy, even though guys were, you know, guys like Adrian Sampson were kind of competing for a job next year on the Cubs. Right. But they were also right. able to play a little more free and easy because they don't have the added weight of like a playoff push on their backs. Uh, yeah. So yeah, like you guys are saying, like, it's like maybe even kind of refreshing to hear him acknowledge it acknowledge that because we keep hearing about how good the second half was how, how great the second half was we got to build on that momentum kind of stuff but i think we as people who are you know on the outside looking in and have watched the games keep trying to tell ourselves like don't overvalue what you know they were eight games over 500 in the second half but you also have to take into a proper context of what was going on and the teams they faced so it's refreshing to hear to know that jed hoyer is also looking at it in that same line i also say that um, say say it was the second half was just as bad as the first half, and they do lose a hundred games. If that were to happen, then I think it's less likely that they are in position to spend more money this offseason. Yeah. I think that, that I think we would go into next season thinking more like 2013 rather than 2014. So yeah, don't overvalue it, but also this team has talent. This team has some guys, you know, and we've listed those names time and time again. So I I think. While not overvaluing it, I think you can definitely tell the position the Cubs are in now. Now it's the Cubs' job to, like, you know, not not take it for granted and fix the holes that he says that there are and that we know there are and fix it. Yeah. One of the things he talked about was, like, pitching depth, you know. Like, he said that that's uh, there's no finish line to that ever. And so – you know, Samson, you figure, has really made them think about some things. And at the very least, he's he's depth. Same thing with Assad. Um, Smiley and Miley, he said nice things about. I, I don't know if I was reading too much into it. And again, it's all vanilla. So I don't know, like, if I should take too much from him or not. He talked about the 10 to 12 games for Smiley. And then he talked about Miley being a guy that could have just left the team to go rehab. Instead, he stuck around and was a huge impact on the young guys coming up and in the clubhouse and helping the young pitchers adjust to the major league level. Um, Smiley's the mutual option. Miley, again, I don't think both of them are back, but I I certainly am not surprised if, if definitely one of them is back. I I think one of them's back for sure as depth. 
I guess I wouldn't be stunned if they're both back because that he's that's what he's talking about. Like you can't you can't just assume all these young guys are ready to go. Now on the flip side of that was the Wilson Contreras stuff. Um, they will be uh, extending the qualifying offer. Stephen, do we have the soundbite for him uh, at when he was asked about Wilson Contreras? Yeah, I mean we had a great conversation with Wilson the other day. You know, we've always had a really good relationship and. Um, I mean, I admire how he competes, and I admire the passion. Um, like I said, we'll, we'll definitely make him a qualifying offer. Um, we'll we'll be in touch with his, his representatives, and you know, as far as his, his comments and things like that, I, you know, I'll I'll take the comments he sort of makes to me directly. You know, not not those. And um, like I said, I've, I've I've really enjoyed, you know, I've always enjoyed our relationship, and I've um, I've really enjoyed watching him grow from a. You know, I remember watching him play in Boise in 2012, and um, you know, I think whenever you, you know, we've, he's been doing the Cubs for a long time, and um, you know, I'll I'll sort of take those those comments and what we what we've talked about. So I don't. Again, <laughs> this one I do think you can read into. Like uh, some of the press conference, you can't. I know everybody in the chat was talking about as we were getting started to Bob Nightingale saying he's he's done, he's not coming back. Uh, they have no interest in bringing him back. Uh, I would tend to agree with the fact that I don't I don't think he's coming back. Yeah, I don't think he's taking the qualifying offer. I think that was what they decided at the trade deadline. They'd rather have the compensatory pick than whatever they were getting offered from the Mets at that point. Do we all feel that that's the way it sounded to you? Do you think he's Wilson's played his last game? Yeah, I I know Wilson. I mean, well. I was just going to say, like, it's it's nice to just know, like, hey, they're going to extend the qualifying offer. We don't have to keep saying expected to, to extend. Yeah. Like, it, it's going to happen. But on the same sense, when that happens, um, you know, Wilson's talked about when when he hits free agency and what he wants in a team, he wants to be someplace that he feels wanted, right? Like, he mm-hmm. that's his main goal is, like, well, that's one of his priorities, is being someplace that he feels wanted. Does Would extending the qualifying offer and not engaging in contract extensions, is that – strike me as a place as somewhere that Wilson Contreras would feel wanted. No, it doesn't. So um, yeah, it, I just, it feels unless they have some, you know, 180 shift in, in what they want to do and decide, Hey, having Wilson Contreras around for the next four years is, is what's going to be best for our team. And they engage him in contract extension. Cause I know Wilson wants to be here. Uh, but again, he wants to be somewhere he feels wanted and feels like appreciates what he brings to the table. So if the Cubs decide that, Hey, like we want to bring Wilson back, engage him in those discussions. I can see Wilson coming back, but if the Cubs just offer him the qualifying offer, I know they, I think it's five days after the world series that has to be extended mm-hmm. and the player has 10 days to pretty much decide whether to accept it or reject it. So in that time, if, if they just give him the qualifying offer and then they go and don't engage him in any extension talks at all, I don't, I just can't see him accepting. That. I can't see that him looking at it. And it's like, I feel wanted here. I feel like this is a place that wants me to play baseball. I just, I don't see it. So I think, just looking at, again, just looking at the direction of where things have gone all season. It's just like that, you know, Wednesday was Wilson Contreras. Well, I guess Tuesday or Monday might have been the last time he played. was the last time Wilson Contreras played in the Cubs uniform, right? Like it's, that's, that's, it feels like the end to me. If it hasn't happened already, that that's an easy conversation between the agent and Wilson and the Cubs. All they have to do is ask, if you weren't getting a draft pick in compensation, would you be offering a deal to Wilson. If they say no, thanks for your time. He's moving on. The Cubs are moving on. Like, and that may have already happened. It's just 
they may not want to put it all out there yet. I don't know if it has or hasn't happened. I'm just yeah. saying, I don't think it's going to take a lot of time to figure that out. Now, the, the one that's more complicated for me, I don't know about you guys, is Ian Happ. Like, he's only got a year left on his deal, but here's a guy who's now put together a year and a half of really good baseball, a guy who could be considered for a gold glove, a guy who is certainly thought of as a team leader, a guy who um, does hit from both sides of the plate, does have some versatility. And here's what uh, Jed Hoyer had to say about his left fielder. Immediately he took Seiya sort of under his wing and, and tried to, to, to mentor him and in the way, the, you know, the way baseball is played and the way things are done over here. Um, so I thought he really found his voice from a leadership standpoint. And uh, it was really, really gratifying to see that. So, um, I mean, like I said, I'm excited. He's a Cub. Um, really, really good year. I thought um, he did a great job of, uh, of finishing the race. And I thought, you know, those times in, in, in September when, you know, say uh, um, it was gone for a bit. Uh, Nico got hurt. Uh, Wilson was hurt. Uh, Madrigal was hurt. And, um, you know, Ian, Ian never missed a beat that entire time. And um, it was it was really impressive to watch, and I, I thought he, he had a heck of a year. Yeah, so I'll use this to tie in what I think about the Contreras stuff. And, like, so Jed Hoyer clearly talks highly of Ian Happ and how he was a leader on this team. Mm-hmm. And we've heard about how Nico Horner has kind of emerged as a little mm-hmm. bit of a leader on this team. Now, a lot of people want to keep Wilson because – he kind of emerged as a leader on this team this year. And it was, it was a lot more clear. Like you could see it in the dugout and on the field. You couldn't really see it from Ian Happ or Nico Horner just off based off the eye test. I think that Ian Happ just has more value on this team moving forward. And that doesn't mean I don't want Wilson, but depending on what offer someone gives Wilson Contreras, like if he gets more than a three-year deal from another team, I'm going to feel like the Cubs lucked out on it personally. If they extend the qualifying offer and they, and they, you know, and he goes and gets a four or five year deal from a team, I'm going to feel okay that the Cubs didn't do it. And I'll be happy for Wilson for getting paid, honestly. Even if he goes to St. Louis, if he goes to St. Louis and they actually do that, I will laugh my ass off because one, that's not a Cardinals move. And two, they are they they will have be setting themselves up for failure, and you can clip that, and we can go back and look at this in five years. I'm I I'm I have convinced myself that that is what if that were to happen, I feel like it would be a massive a massive failure for the Cardinals long term. But Cody, but, wouldn't he be their best catcher in five years? The best he would be their best. He he'd okay. be their best catcher the last decade, to be honest with you, Luke. But you know, we talk about it all the time. All the teams that are in the running for the World Series, they all have defensive mind catchers. Mar- Martin Mal- Maldonado on the Astros. You know, the Yankees traded Gary Sanchez this past this past offseason for some guy that we've never heard of. And they've been a much better team at that position without Gary Sanchez, even though that guy could hit. Like, and again, I'm not saying that I don't want Wilson Contreras. And I think that Wilson Contreras could, would be great to have on this team for morale and for, you know, what leadership he does bring and – all this other stuff, no doubt, and obviously the bat. But clearly he's not viable enough to the Cubs in terms of moving him 
to play a little bit more first base or even DH. And to be honest, do you want your catcher playing DH too? Like your, your other catcher when you're already probably going to have two or three on your roster anyway. I don't know. I'd rather just have like one DH personally. That's just me. Um, Again, I know I sound like I'm like I'm I'm over Wilson Contreras and that I don't want him back, and it's wild because you can go back back to April, May, all those months, and I said that he was a number one priority. You got to keep this guy, all this stuff. But after watching this team play in the second half, honestly, mostly without him, they were they were better without him at at, in, at some stretches, and it's just like he's thirty now. If he was a little bit younger, then yeah, like if like if if, if they were going to give him if 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 he was at like what real Muto was the age that real Muto was whenever, you know, the Phillies extended him, then yeah, I would be like, yeah, I'd, I'd want him around, but like he's going to be 31 next year. And like, I don't know. I, I just feel like the Cubs can spend more money at more at other positions. And yeah, the only thing that leaves it out is the fact that they don't like Miguel Maya doesn't look like he's going to be ready. And if he is, if he does play for the Cubs next year, it would be more so in the middle of the year. You, I like theoretically speaking, right now on October tenth, right? So, yeah, the Cubs would need to go get themselves another catcher. There's plenty of them out there. Do you realize what's just happened? Our heart on the sleeve baseball fan has just shown us that his other sleeve has a little bit of the baseball mind on it as oh, well. Wow. Like he's he's not all heart. He's got a little <laughs> bit of the business in the back of that sleeve too. No, I wanted well, to and, and I, I, again. I, go ahead, Ryan. I'm sorry. I say I want to touch on Hap because the video is obviously about Hap. Um, it, it was kind of funny because I asked I asked Jed the question about Hap, um, and he actually kind of perked up as he talked about Hap. So I, I I think that just kind of context clues tells you how he feels about Ian. Uh, but he mentioned how gratifying it was to see Hap's season long consistency. And improvements, uh, you know, in 2022, considering the highs, the high highs, and the low lows that he's had throughout his career. Um, and and earlier, he was kind of asked about, you know, possibly extending guys like Ian Happ, uh, you know, in-house extensions um, for some guys. And and Jed obviously wasn't going to talk about that, but he did say like, you know, first steps. He's they've taken the first steps in, in those kind of things. Um, and I know we, we talk about Ian. And when we look at him in terms of what's going on with Wilson, I know they were both the trade deadline being dangled around in, in trade talks or trade rumors, whatever, what have you. Um, but now I, I, I'm kind of getting the feeling that the Cubs, when they look at Ian, they see a 28 year old, they see a guy who, you know, had a really, really good last two months of last season and then continued it throughout this whole season. Like didn't have extended slumps, didn't have, you know, just it wasn't up and down anymore. It was a very consistent season. And, you know, first all-star, he looks like he may be in the gold glove conversation. Like when you, you look at that and I, I'm starting to think the Cubs, you know, with the way they view him, the way they, they kind of talk about him, he may be finding his way into, into the long-term plans for that team. Maybe not, you know, like, I don't, I don't know how many years that would be because we know how much outfield, how much the top prospects are outfielders and, and Hap. I mean, I, I guess I don't know how much that affects it, but it's starting to feel like they, they look at Ian and they see a little bit more of a, of a, of a long-term fit there than we, than we thought like a few months ago when we, when we, when he was getting, he was in all these trade rumors, right? We thought he was as good as gone at some point. And now I'm starting to think that there may be, you know, there's a scenario where he is a cub for, for a few more years. Well, he's, yeah. he's younger. And that's like one of the reasons yeah. that like I've kind of accepted that Contreras might not come back. I mean, again, 
would be okay if he did. But also, Ian Happ is going to be 28, year 28 yeah. of his life next season, right? Like, it's different. It's a couple years younger. And, yeah, he had an all-star season. I understand Contreras had an all-star season and all that, too. But, you know, history shows catchers, especially catchers, don't exactly age well. And, uh, you know, I, I'm very intrigued to see how Contreras' like, market is. Because if he does, if he doesn't get the market that he's expecting, then yeah, I would expect him to take that qualifying offer. We'll see. But yeah, Ian Happy, he he definitely seems like someone you want to keep around. And also, you want to talk about depth? Yeah, they got outfielders coming up, but you got to have got to have vets with the young guys too. And I I think Ian Happ would be a perfect you know three four year extension type guy, maybe five with an opt out in there. You know what I mean? Like. Makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, I agree. We'll, we'll see how that un, all unfolds, but Ian Happ's going to be an interesting one over the next uh, few months for sure. Pins and Aces, the official golf apparel partner of CHGO. We love our Pins and Aces gear and get tons of compliments on and off the course. A family-owned golf and apparel business. They make amazing polos, hats, golf bags, and even our favorite beer sleeve, an innovative product that allows you to store seven beers or pops or high noons right inside your golf bag and keep that stash right near you the entire round. Cody may or may not have taken it to the Illini game and tried to hide it in a coat. Check out your pinsandaces.com and use the code CHGO to receive 15% off your first order and get free shipping. That's pinsandaces.com. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there was a lot in this press conference. And again, don't put too much value in anything. Just just know that we're going to start to find a lot more out as soon as the World Series ends. That's when things will start to heat up and we'll start to figure out where this team is going moving forward. Now, all of the talk about trying to add a shortstop and Jed deflected every possible question he could. It was, it was worded 17 different ways. It didn't matter if it was Correa. It didn't matter if it was Gordon Wittenmeyer or Bruce Levine. Everybody was firing questions about what about all the free agent shortstops? And finally, the one that brought a little glimmer of what might be coming in or a little little aspect of what might be coming in is what about what about your guy, Nico Horner? Like, would he be willing to move all this and that? Here, here's what he had to say about Nico Horner. Yeah, so – uh, basically in terms of, okay, so I'll just read my tweet in terms yeah. of how the Cubs off season could impact Nico Horner. Uh, Hoyer said he expects Horner to be on board with any moves they make quote. It's hard to imagine a young player more focused on the team than Nico end quote. Basically is, is what we've heard. And we've talked to Nico and, and he has said over and over again, he is willing to do whatever it takes for a team, for the team to win. Uh, yeah. And whether that's just hit, you know, speaking to the media and you know, whatever, I, I truly believe like Nico is just invested in winning the way he talks about winning the way he talks. I mean, he, he talks like a veteran player who's, you know, made the money and just wants to win. Right. Like it's the, that's the way he talks about baseball, even though he hasn't obviously made the money, like he hasn't, he's arbitration eligible next year. Um, but he talks about winning in the sense of like this guy, he really like, he, he just wants to see the Chicago Cubs be a winning ball club. He was sick of, of losing all year. He wants to win games. He wants to win titles. He wants to win division titles. He wants to win championships, all that good stuff. So when I look at Nico and, and, you know, and the way they look at Nico is he's a guy that if they go out and sign a shortstop 
and and that short that guy wants to continue playing shortstop next season and beyond. Nico is going to have no issue moving to second base, moving to center field if they ask him to, moving <laughs> moving to third, whatever it is. Like he's going to have no issue because that's the kind of player that Nico is. Um, of course, he wants to protect his own value and he wants to make the money at the big league level, but he I think he finds benefit in sacrificing some of that to be able to win baseball games with this club, with the Chicago Cubs. And then that is another thing that's kind of refreshing is you have a guy who's really all in on the team. Uh, that that leadership value is so – that leadership is so valuable to a club like that a guy who's that young, who's younger than I am, and goes out there. He's, he's going to be hitting arbitration next year, and he says, you know what, I just want to win. Do Put me wherever you need to put me. I want to win baseball games. I think that's very refreshing, and that shows you the kind of – player person and leader that nico horner is yeah i think it definitely shows that he'd be what more than willing to move back to second base if the cubs sign correa uh and that says a lot about the kind of guy he is and i'm not saying that that's what i want but like i i would you know no shift next year you need the athleticism up the middle Mm -hmm. right and yeah. Nico's showing that he can do it on both sides. So I, that's the biggest thing I take from it is that he's willing, more than willing, to play wherever. And, you know, I think Nico has earned his spot shortstop and any free agent they bring in should be playing second next year. But, you know, whatever. I don't care who it is. As long as you get an athletic guy who can go up the middle with him next year, that, I think it's, you know, if not the biggest priority, it is the priority. Ryan made a good point. Like, he is super young. He, in fact, I heard during the season he was calling Ryan Grandpa Herrera. <laughs> Grandpa Herrera is what they call. Yeah, um, and sure. guys, I was thinking that like maybe we, if we break this story, this is how CHGO blows up. If we break the Correa coming to the Cubs story, so I, I was just googling as Ryan was finishing up there, the Dior Chicago Rush Street address, nine thirty one North Rush. We need somebody. Cody, can you just stake out the Dior store on Rush Street? And if you see Carlos Correa, we know we're in. Because <laughs> he said he wants to be. You know, That's where he wants to be. We need to have somebody stationed on Rush Street outside that store. And it would yeah. be just like Theo walking into the Starbucks in Wrigleyville back in the day. And we could have <laughs> Cody tweeting, just saw, just saw Correa walking in the Dior store. Rush Street, spotted. Mm. Think how big that would be. Absolutely. Uh, you know, if Jake, if you're listening, Kevin, you know, I'm very, I, we were talking off air, you know, I'm very versatile. I was helping Steven with like yes, producing were. stuff, you know, I'm very versatile guy here at CHGO, you, but you're going to ask me stay in the cold and, and stake out for Carlos Correa during the cold Chicago winter. Y'all better be increasing my, 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 my pay. You know, I, you know, yeah, why you Correa just trying to get paid. But what about stand me? in the Dior store, just be in the Dior store, maybe yeah. buy a thing or two if they give you a little bump in salary or uh, never been be to one world. of those stores. But the way that it sounds, sounds like something I can't afford anyway. So I'm going to need yeah. a raise. <laughs> I think they probably have security. Now, if they have a tree outside, have you ever heard of the guy in Denver that used to climb up in the tree and until the Broncos won a game or whatever, he wouldn't come down from the tree? Cody, that's another possibility. We could get you at like Grant Park just to climb up and live in a tree. Until the Cubs make a big move, you and maybe you and Colada, we could build you a little tree house in Grant Park somewhere. Oh, I'm sure that'd be a lot of fun. I, <laughs> I'm sure it would just be a lot of good conversations. A real kumbaya fun. moment. You guys could just yeah. live in the middle of winter in Grant Park in a oh, tree. God. Uh, I think it's going to be a no for me, dog. 
do we want to want to wrap up with a little Hendrix? Um, yeah, a little bit of a little Hendrix, and then I do want to one quote. I'll say at the end before we end, but yeah, what Sounds did he good. say about Kyle Hendricks again? Yeah, so uh, basically he said, you know, Kyle's feeling good, hasn't actively started throwing, um, kind of in the context of how Hendricks' status impacts how the Cubs view the need for pitching this offseason. Jed talked about, you know, there is uncertainty considering Hendricks didn't pitch the whole second half of the season. It's been three months since he pitched. Um, but the quote was, you know, he's Kyle about Kyle. He's going to ha- try to have a normal offseason. I know talking to him, he has extensive goals this offseason about not only trying to get back to where he was, but also to continue to try to get better. But yes, I think as we view it, I mean, he didn't pitch at the end of the season. I have all the confidence in the world that he'll do everything he can to be the pitcher he has been for us since 2014. But obviously there is a level of uncertainty with anyone that misses the second half of the season, which is true. We've talked about it. How much can they rely on Kyle Hendricks? I think we've talked about if Kyle's healthy going into 2023, he should probably be in the rotation because that's what Kyle Hendricks has done well when he's been healthy for most of his career. But the fact that he hasn't pitched and he didn't pitch the entire second half. And even before that was very up and down. He had some good starts, but also had some really bad starts. Like you can't, again, you can't count on him being Kyle Hendricks next year. So that does in my mind, increase kind of the urgency to go out and look at what they have on the pitching market, starting pitching market. Even if it's just guys that are depth that, that can come in and spot start in a pinch when they need to, like Jed said it kind of the early on in the press conference, like, there's never really a, a finish line when it comes to pitching. You can't really have enough. Um, and so when, when it comes to Kyle, you want him to be healthy. You want him to be pitching. He probably won't ever get back to that level that he was from like 16 to 20. But if he pitches, you know, get, getting close to that, like that's if he's like your four guy, number four uh, guy in the rotation and he's pitching well, like you can live with that. But you definitely can't count on it moving forward. But, you know, you kind of just see what this offseason season. How this all season goes. I agree. Like um, you, you can't count on him, but that said, he can be one of those X factors where uh, if you build the rotation the right way this off season, and you still have Kyle Hendricks on your forty man, and Kyle Hendricks does bounce back because he's not only one of the smartest pitchers they've ever had, he's 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 as determined as anybody I've ever seen. Like he's oh uber competitive. Yeah. So if he comes back. And he is 90% of what he was at his best or 85% of what he was at his best. That's an, that's a valuable guy in your rotation. And it's a valuable guy to have, again, uh, in your rotation when you're trying to bring along the next great Cubs team, which is full of young pitchers. So there's value there, too. I will say this before we go. The one quote I heard that made me laugh out loud from Jed Hoyer, and I was sitting in in my living room by myself when he said we competed like crazy and he was talking about the second half of the season i thought that was his mental way of preparing before the press conference to address the competition comment they made a year ago at this time when he said we'll be competitive to say we competed was like see we did compete and the first person i (laughs) thought of was michael Collada. (laughs) <laughs> well he did it again he did he did say again he's like yeah, we want to be competitive next year yes i, I know it's just like here we go round two yeah yeah, yeah. i was like cubs twitter is going to be dissecting that word for the next month during the playoffs so yeah uh yeah as far as hendrix you know everyone knows my thoughts on it i've talked about it and uh when he 
we brought it up. But yeah, I mean, I'm. It, it seems like he's going to be there next year. I uh, hope he comes in healthy, and I hope he bounces back. One because he might be the only guy left from 2016, and we need something from that from that era to still be on this team, and you know, to be excited about. Um, and that's my emotions talking more than my baseball mind. Uh, so I, I switched back to the do the other sleeve guys, the hard on the sleeve guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I I would love nothing more. Would love nothing more than for Kyle Hendricks to give me half of what he gave in uh, 2020 and in, in 2019, 2018. Like during that, like give me half of that, and I think you got a really solid number five guy in your rotation. Um, but obviously, best ability is availability. So if he stays on the field, gives you 30 starts of number five rotation maybe i think that adds a few wins to the cubs next year if he's able to do that yeah let's hope they're more than competitive in 2023 hey huge shout out to everybody that joined us in the chat for our first uh off-season 120 podcast uh live pretty good pretty good group on here today for uh we started at 130 yeah we started (laughs) a little bit late at 130 but we were that was first pitch we were technically first pitch there's a little um, bit of a rain delay. Yeah, we had to get through yeah. the anthems and all the ceremonies <laughs> and the lineup introductions. Uh, we will be back at 1.20 on Tuesday. Again, if you're just downloading the podcast, remember 1.20, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Then on Friday, Corey and Brendan uh, have Cubs related for you. Um, so we will see you on Tuesday with a special guest, we think, and another Ooh. one coming up on Thursday. Cody, you want to say something real quick? I do. I'll be yeah. streaming. I'll be streaming on my YouTube channel tonight, watching oh. or not watching, but playing NBA 2K. So if anyone wants to go subscribe to my YouTube channel, thank you. I appreciate right. it. Watch, <laughs> watch Cody's moves on the uh, 2K. Uh, thanks for checking out the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by PointsBet. Use that promo code CHGO when you sign up, and we will see you back here on Tuesday. Take care. Fly the W.